We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good stuff. Got a couple super. Got another super chat down here, Ryan, from Iden Banami. Iden says, and thank you so much to Gap Closing. Thanks for all the work, fellow fellas. You're welcome, sir. You're welcome. Yeah, Ryan. I'll ask this one. It's a recruit. It's a recruiting question. I'll ask this one. It's from Irish Blooded. I know it is early, but any feedback to share on Mike Brown and wide receiver targets from recruiting or junior day or off season drills? Too early on the last Um, one. They've only been back on campus for a week, so just focus on the recruiting part, right? Yeah, well, I'll say this is that I'll have a more in-depth interview with Taylor and Taylor, but I would say a thing that I heard more consistently just for the let, – let's let's talk about his situation in general. The, wide receiver recruiting in general, Irish-blooded, has been a little bit of a interesting thing to watch because I would say this, is that Chancey Stuckey was a really good recruiter, right? Like there was no doubt about that. The, the board was in a pretty decent spot, but obviously with the shortcomings and the internal stuff, the switch had to be made. And anytime you take a good recruiter out of the picture, there's going to be some question marks, right? There's a little bit of that weird limbo, that little flux in between two coaches. And Mike Brown comes in, and I think that early on it was about you know getting acclimated. Make sure you're getting there, you're coaching in the bowl game, getting your guys leveled and ready to go and the miscellaneous things on a day-to-day progression perspective, I think was kind of the priority. Well, now that we've had a little bit of time to really digest as far as what wide receiver recruiting is going to look like, Taylor Taylor, I think is a great example. Taylor Taylor was not planning on coming this weekend to Notre Dame because as I reported on the board, there was a actually a, a wedding that was happening in the Taylor family. So they weren't planning on going anywhere. It was Mike Brown's persistence and his continued conversation was a big reason why Taylor Taylor made the trip to Notre Dame this weekend. And by all accounts, and by my conversation briefly, the conver- uh, the relationship really, I think, took a nice jump this weekend. Because he was a guy that had recruited Taylor. Obviously, he was at Cincinnati, was at Wisconsin this past year. So they had a relationship because he was they were actively recruiting Taylor Taylor. But I think just kind of getting him in that new setting I think gave him an opportunity to sit down, talk to the coaches, understand where things are, understand where things are moving. So I think early 
We're going to see what happens with wide receiver recruiting in its entirety. But I will say is that we've had pretty good early indications that I think Mike Brown is going to go in the right direction as a recruiter because of the things I said, making up for some lost time with some recruits that had good relationship with Coach Stuckey. We also talk about just putting his touches on the recruiting board as well. I mean, we've seen expansion over the last few days, obviously bringing some new wide receivers onto the board as well. But I think that the couple things that I think are positive – is that he's making up for lost time with some of the guys that are still priorities. I mean, they went out to see Derek Meadows last week. They obviously got uh, Taylor Taylor to stat, to to take the visit this this past weekend as well. I think that he is a big relationship guy, which I think it will go far away. And I think ultimately the biggest thing that will be a big sell is that on the field, I think it's going to take a nice step this year. I think that the wide receiver position are going to be better. I think they're going to be more positively yeah. well-coached which I think will help 2025 wide receiver recruiting and beyond as well, because they'll be able to see a better product on the field. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I got to say, Ryan, that the, the players that he's offered has yep. been interesting. Because Fair. I don't think a, not a one of them is highly ranked that I know of. I, maybe the bright kid the, the might pen, the, actually the, the the pens the Pennsylvania kids a two, top two hundred kid by two different platforms. Top two hundred, top two hundred, okay. top two hundred. Yeah, yep. Uh, and I think another has him as a three star. Yeah, like Elijah Burris, I'd take that kid right now. Right, I mean, right now, I love that kid's film, and I know there's some debate on that from other people, but like for me, I love that kid's film. And then when I saw him on campus this weekend, he's at least as tall as Marcus Freeman. That was something that I liked as well. But like the Cyrus kid from PA, right? That kid's got some. That yeah. kid's got some ability. You know, Sean I, I Terry's more of a man. niche player, but that yeah. niche is pretty good. You look at Raiden Vines Bright. That kid's got some really good film. They're getting so. So here's a little thing. Chancey Stuckey had kind of wasn't doing as much with Taylor Taylor and Dalen McCutcheon as I think he should have been towards yep. the end of his tenure. And so there's some ground they've got to make up with those kids. And I think Mike Brown and Chad Bowden and the staff are doing it, but it's got to be at the end of the day, Chad Bowden and those guys can only take you so far. The position coach yep. has got to be the one that ultimately gets it done. 
And so far, so good. So far, so good. Somebody said, I take Sean Terry right now. I wouldn't. I'm just, Ryan, you and I are kind of the same page there. There's some things I like about him, but there's just too many guys on the board to me that are just better right now. And I think he's more of a niche guy uh, than some other guys. Yeah. I I think the one good thing about wide receiver recruiting is that I think there's one thing that the staff is definitely targeting. And that's talking about Mike Brown. They want guys that can win in space and they want a little bit of juice (laughs) to the wide receiver position. I mean, Every ball, yeah. every one of those wide receivers can run pretty well. I mean, for the most yeah. part, like Raiden Vines Bright can run pretty well. The kid from Pennsylvania is a 10, 400 meter kid. Like that kid yeah. can fly. The and Nasir it shows Newkirk up on film. Kid, yeah. Yeah. The Nasir Newkirk kid averaged 22 yards a catch last year for Dudley in North Carolina is a basketball player. And I think he also runs track and runs pretty good track times as a hundred meter kid. That kid's 62, 185 and he can run. And also he's planning to try to take a visit sometime this off season as well. So if nothing else and Sean Terry, I question the long speed, but that kid is dynamite in space. Really yes. quick kid, really quick twitch, can make guys miss. So they are trying to find, I think, unique, explosive athletes that can create some plays outside of just catch point dynamos. As guys that are right. pre-catch to, to catch points guys, guys that can create a little bit more for themselves. So it's been interesting to follow, and I'm very, very intrigued to see how it goes moving forward. Newkirk's the one guy I have not watched yet, Ryan. I have not had a chance to he's watch. Six two one eighty five, and it's just yeah. like a long stride. Like he's a basketball player. He's a really okay. good basketball player. And he, but he also, it's weird, Brian. Like a couple of the guys, like I'm just like, where's the production, right? Like I'm trying to find where the production is on film and mm-hmm. and just in general. Nasir Newkirk's not one of those. I mean, he had fifty one catches for over eleven hundred yards last year for Dudley. Like he had a nice, mm. he had like thirty four touchdowns in his career. I'm a little confused on that one. He's got the weirdest offer list in the world too. He's got a couple. Good power five offers, but then he's got Notre Dame and Georgia, but he's unranked by everyone except he's a three star on one platform. I'm just like, that. Yeah. what the heck is this? I'm yeah. so confused by this. Yeah, it's like, well, like Notre, like Burris the same way. It's like Notre Dame, Duke, and then nothing after that. It's yep. just kind of, kind of wild. It's weird. <laughs> we had a question from Robert Matichek who says, Coaches per, what's coming, going? Great shows as always. In comparing players per snap production, is quality of opponents faced applicable first general results volume ratios? Thanks. Couple things. So, in comparing players per snap production, I think that's very important. I think that's a you, you have to look at context because, like Ryan, last week I was making a point about Riley Mills' production on a per snap basis compared to Howard Cross and as a pass rusher. And how Riley was a played a lot less snaps in passing downs than Howard did, and just kind of comparing the numbers. And then uh, you know somebody else was making a, a comment about Howard Cross uh, on the message board, uh, you know, not being a real good pass rusher and and not being an elite player. And I pointed out like, well, he doesn't have a lot of sacks, but he's got he's got a lot of pressures and such. But then also pointing out that Howard was pretty good in the big moments this year. He was pretty good in the big game. I thought he was pretty good against Ohio State. I thought he was great against Duke. I thought he was very good against USC. You know, I mean, there was a lot of games this year where I thought Howard had a pretty good game in the bigger moments. So I, I do think that it's – and this was always kind of my beef with Jerry Tillery in 2018. Jerry Tillery had eight sacks. Four of them came against Stanford. And like, okay, he had that, like, one big game against an okay offensive line. But he he also kind of disappeared in a lot of big games, you know, especially later in the season. So I'm, I think you always have to look at stat patterns. You always have to do that. You always have to look at guys that, that put up these big numbers against bad teams 
and then don't produce against good teams. Like I've pointed out with Chris Mitchell, if Chris Mitchell would have put up the same numbers he did but had two catches for nine yards against Arkansas, that would have been a red flag for me, big red flag for me. But the best team he played against, well, let's just say the, the most talented team he played against, at least for SEC talent, he had six catches and 150 yards on the road against an SEC team. Uh, he, he played really well against Liberty, played very well against Jacksonville State. Those are the most athletic teams he faced against, and he had great performances in each situation. That matters to me. That matters a ton to me because, Ryan, you and I as Notre Dame fans have seen this all of our lives. All these guys have put up numbers, but then when they, they get into those big games, they don't do a whole lot. And, and so, yeah, I, I think quality of the opponent face is very applicable I, I think anytime you're just making an argument on just pure numbers without any context, you, you're going to lose me a little bit. You know, like I want to see context. I want to see how you play the bit. I mean, that was the big knock on John Elway's whole career, right? Well, he didn't play well in Super Bowls. Well, I would always argue he always had the inferior opponent, but that's a valid argument. He didn't play well in Super Bowls. I thought he played well, pretty well against the Giants early on, and then his team just got overwhelmed. And, but I mean, it wasn't until his last. Game really that John had that huge, great Super Bowl performance. You know, like it's yeah. one of my things about the Josh Allen versus Pat Mahomes debate. I'm like, look, man, the, the the here's the thing I love about Pat Mahomes. I love Josh Allen, but here's what I know about Pat Mahomes: when it's a big game, chances of him playing at his best are pretty high. When it's a big moment, the chances of him doing what he needs to do to win the game is pretty high. You know what I mean? Now, you could argue, well, this team's better than that team, and that's fair, but the fact is is you still got to step up in those moments. I mean, that's part of the reason why Joe Montana is considered a, a, an all-time great, even though I think I, I would kind of push back against that for several reasons, but Joe Montana was always money when it mattered. That, that's that's the reality of it. He was money when it mattered, and uh, I think those things have to be taken into account. Absolutely. Absolutely. One, I have a friend named Parker Fleming who's stats of war on Twitter, and he always does these. Um, he always does these breakdowns of team by team, but also just team in each off season where he breaks down quality of production coming back. And I think it's the most flawed thing in the world, not from his perspective, but people always talk about like production coming back. There's seventy six percent of offensive production, yada yada yada. The thing I love though that Parker does is he goes deep into the weeds of his statistical breakdown of here's the production against various opponents and quality of opponents, the EPA against a certain team and yacht and all those different, you know, stat points. And he gets deeper into this is quality production coming back. This is really in, you know, this is more a player that does have those, that great production, but against the best teams on the schedule. And that's where kind of his numbers come from. So I'm a, yeah. I think that the efficiency stuff is great. I think the per snap production stuff is great, but I agree that the reason that you guys listen to analysts and not computers is because you need somebody to be able to manipulate those numbers and right. gain a general understanding as far as like what numbers actually matter or what numbers do not right. matter. Because numbers what... in its rawest form do not lie, but people can manipulate them any way they want and then make them lie. So yes, yeah. numbers aren't the numbers aren't the reason you listen to a podcast. Numbers aren't the reason that you look at a statistical breakdown. It's how people use those numbers that mm-hmm. is the reason that you listen. I just want to follow him on Twitter, Ryan. That sounds like a very interesting thing. I'm gonna to have to look and see what he. He's, uh, he he's he's, he's not he's not a football guy, man. But he is a well he is a football guy in the sense that he does his work on football. But he is a mm-hmm. analytics guy. He'll be completely upfront about that. But he dives deep into the weeds because he understands that you know quality of 
production matters and quality. I think analytics matters. are a great thing if they're used correctly. They are the epitome of what you just said. The problem is there's so many people that use analytics without any understanding of what that actually means, right? And and that's the problem. And uh, yeah, uh, we'll see. Here's a here's a interesting or some some big news today. Obviously in the recruiting world, right? John Leahy, thoughts on George McIntyre going to Tennessee? Yeah, just dropped. I think it was like 10.30 Eastern time was when he made mm-hmm. his commitment. So, I mean, yeah. John, like I, I would say this is down the stretch of that recruitment or at least over the last couple of months from what I followed. It was a – especially after Deuce Knight obviously had picked Notre Dame, I, I kind of took a step back because we knew that, you know, quarterback wasn't going to be able to dock it for 2025 as much. But it was a Alabama-Tennessee thing. Obviously, George McIntyre is from Tennessee. He plays in the state of Tennessee. But Alabama was big in, in that conversation. I think that obviously the movement of head coaching and, and future of Alabama football obviously kind of derailed them a little bit in, in those types of situations. But oh. they were always one of the main front runners. And I think that, I mean, honestly, like, hey, we have to see what Josh Heibel can build as far as offensive line consistently and defense and being that team from here on here up. But it's got a couple of really talented quarterbacks to deal with over the next few years with Nico, obviously playing a little bit down the stretch and having a full off season now again, and having a guy like George McIntyre coming in. McIntyre is a stud talent. I mean, he's a big time yeah. dude and Josh Heupel is a really good offense coordinator. So I imagine that he's yeah. going to be very good for Tennessee when he gets there. Ryan, I, I love this pickup. You know, I'm very high on George McIntyre and I think he's got a lot of room to grow physically, like literally physically, but that was the, the biggest shock for me when I watched this. This is a sophomore film of him. I haven't even seen his junior film. I'm just talking about a sophomore yeah. film. But I was shocked at how big his arm was because he is a string bean. I mean, he's 6'5 yeah. and a buck 05. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, not really, but he's like a skinny, skinny kid. Then I'm watching him like run around. Like, this kid's a pretty athletic kid. And then you watch him throw the deep ball. You're like, dude, this kid's got an arm. And yeah. I thought he was Mike McIntyre's son. He's his nephew. So I so yeah. so just so we're clear on that. But I think it's a great pickup. I think he's he's one of the two or three best quarterbacks in this class. And and I like spreading out big-time quarterbacks every other year, more so than back-to-back, uh, just because there's a, to me there's a greater chance that you can keep that guy on board. And I think for if Nico's as good as Tennessee hopes he is, George comes in as a freshman, sits behind Nico. Nico, who will then year. be a two-year yeah. starter, goes pro, and now George steps in. And yeah. and that would be the ideal scenario. And I think he's a really good fit for what Josh Heupel likes to do because he he's mobile, but he's not a runner. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he so can move around, but he's guy. exactly, yeah. exactly. And I think that fits what 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 Heupel. What, I think it fits Heupel's offense. I mean, Heupel likes a guy that can run, but he doesn't need it. It's not like a mandatory. Right. You have to have a a running quarterback, but you have to have some mobility in that offense. You do. You ha- you can't be like a big like you can't be a uh, a big armed, a mobile guy because of how much empty they do, because of the yep. way that they set their protections. You have to, because of the amount of RPOs they do, you have to have a guy that's got pocket awareness and pocket mobility to thrive in that offense. That you have to have. You don't necessarily have to be a runner, but you have to have that. And I think, I think George has that. I think he's a very good quarterback. I think it's a great pickup and, for Tennessee. And he clearly has a type as a coach that he likes, right? Like he clearly likes the tall strong arms guys that can move yes. a little bit like yes. yeah he clearly has a type there's no doubt yeah yeah absolutely big very big pickup for them we had jordan panero says do you think Actually, Notre yeah. Dame actually yep sorry sorry i was gonna no you go ahead i was i should have read that one because it's for you oh, it's but okay. you can read it okay. and answer it go ahead Ry. 
Do you think Notre Dame actually has a shot with Nathaniel Owusu Botang now that they got him on campus? If so, how much of a shot? Jordan, yes, I do. I had an interview at IrishBreakdown.com. I look, this is the kind of the, the Nathaniel Owusu Botang thing. Everybody knows about his brother Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, and people hyper focus on that. But you have to understand that family dynamics and Nathaniel Owusu Botang had never been to Notre Dame before. Like he didn't understand mm-hmm. fully the pool of Notre Dame football. And like, he understood it in the sense of like, talk to his brother about it. Right. But like we know, and I, I have an interview coming out with Brady Smigel, who is the quarterback out of California who talked about this, that it's a, just a different feel when you get there, man. Like you just can't, it, people tell you all about it, but then you finally get there and you're like, Oh, this is what they're talking about. I get it now. Right. And I think that for, for me, like Nathaniel, I think like Notre Dame, at least the thought of Notre Dame, but right. until he got to campus, was never going to happen. It just wasn't. It wasn't a realistic option. Him making the trip first and foremost, credit to the recruiting staff, credit to the coaching staff, being able to get him to come on campus because this dude's legit, man. He's a top 20 player in the country by rivals, number 19 overall. He is a legitimately stud football player. He's fantastic. One of the maybe the top linebacker in the country. Like it's arguable. He has that type of type type of profile to him. But regardless, he got there and he's already saying things that you love to hear after a visit because there's sometimes brian where mm-hmm. people visit for the first time and you're like okay cool he liked it but you know no it's not going to go anywhere but he's talking about oh yeah it feels like home a little bit right oh, i definitely first thing he said to me was I, I i'm already looking forward to coming back and i didn't ask him if he was coming back he's already talking about trying mm-hmm. to come back to notre dame so yes i think there's a chance i think there's a chance you still need to battle man you need to get him back for a second visit. If Notre Dame is able to get him back for a second vi- visit, Jordan, I'll put it like this. If they're able to get him back for a second visit, I think they have a very good chance. I think it's legitimate. Right now, I think it's better than it was, no doubt about it. I think there's some realistic chance. If I'm saying right now, like, I don't know, 30 40%, but, like, that's compared to, like, 10% that it probably was before the visit or 0%. Like, it just wasn't going to happen before the visit. Notre Dame is in the game. Now, mm-hmm. Nathaniel is not in decision-making mode, though. Like, this thing's going to go on, folks. Like, it's going to go on. But Notre yeah. Dame at least had his attention before the visit, and now they have his full attention after the visit. He's a place that he can see himself. And I also love the video that he sent me, and I know Mindy Charles on Twitter as well, of him just doing snow angels with no shirt underneath. And, like, that's a, that's the stuff you like to see, right? So I think, I think Notre Dame has a chance there. They just need to continue that now. Keep building that momentum. Show a great product on the field. And we'll see. We'll see. They have a much better chance so than they did beforehand. There's no doubt about that. Couple things about this one, Ryan. You know, I've been doing this a long time, and there's certain things you look for when a kid leaves a visit. To your point, there's a there's a you can you can you can talk to a kid. And I know you know exactly what I'm talking about. Where he says, like, when you just look at him written, well, it sounds great, but you had the conversation with him, and you know that was just more. Yeah, it was nice. I had a great time. You know, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And, uh, you know, coaches were great. And it's just like, yeah, that kid's not coming. Right. Like yeah. he gave you all the he gave you all the, the the quotes you needed. But like that kid's not coming. And then you talk to kid and you're like, yeah, this kid has genuine interest. And and, and there are certain little phrases. And, and Nathaniel had some of those. And one of the things that I, I believe he said, which is very true, is a lot of guys want to play for Marcus Freeman. There's an intrigue there that's getting a lot of kids on campus that maybe otherwise wouldn't have showed up on campus. Or even when they show up, like I remember when Jason Oway visited 
And just his whole demeanor, his whole thing is like, this kid wants no part of Notre Dame. Like, it was so obvious from the minute he got here, Ryan. And, like, his yeah. family liked Notre Dame, but like, he didn't want to be here. And uh, it, it just it was an it was an interesting vibe because it's just like Notre Dame wasn't that place. It is becoming that place now where you're like, hey, let's just go check it out, right? And that's why I keep saying is it's this is such a huge year for Marcus Freeman because if they win, if they're like a playoff team this year, it, it yep. man, it, it's going to get crazy. It's recruiting here is going to get crazy. The second part is it was a perfect weekend to get him on campus. Forget the forget the uh, uh, the snow part. I'm just talking about here's something that matters, Ryan. There's an expression that's been true, and it's true of football more than any other sport, in my opinion, right? And it used to be – I don't know what they say now, but it used to be like, you know, dogs want to play with dogs, right? And that's that's still a very true thing. I want to play with other dudes. I know in football I can't be that dude if everybody else around me is not. And to have him on campus the same weekend that Deuce Knight is on campus – that Christopher Burgess is on campus, that Ivan Taylor's on campus, that Taylor Taylor's on campus, that Owen Strebig's on campus, that Dallas Golden is on campus, and that Mark Zachary's on campus, and Damien Shank. These are big-time recruits. So when you're Nathaniel Owusu-Botang, you're looking around being like, there's a lot of dudes here, right? A lot of dudes here, and half of them are already committed to Notre Dame. That matters. That's huge for Notre Dame. And I think that factored into why this was a big weekend for him as well. Yep. And I think you also had the uh, Southeast contingency out there. I mean, you mentioned Deuce and those cats, right? The CJ Mays of the world, but you also had Dallas. I mean, Davion Dixon, who I had an interview coming out with, I mean, he literally said, you know, I'm trying to get another Florida boy to come with me. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're, it's, it's a part of the plan, man. It's a part of the plan. And it's very strategic. Yeah. If they can land um, Dallas Golden, that would give them four Florida kids in this class. I don't I don't count Nathaniel as a Florida kid. He just plays at a school, a boarding school in Florida. He's a sure, but still it's it it, it doesn't it doesn't hurt because he now knows what Florida football is all about. It doesn't hurt that well, there's a bunch of kids from Florida. He he um, represents two different things that you need, though. Or two different or two different regions that you need. He if he, you don't want to count him as a Florida kid. You count him as a Demathic Catholic kid, which Notre Dame has had a terrible but he's an time IMG kid. traction in. Yes, yeah. sure. Yeah, but sure. he's an IMG kid, though, Ryan. Like, yeah. so, and, and, you know, right now, Notre Dame's got three kids from Florida committed. In the last five years, Notre Dame signed three kids from Florida combined in five years. Yeah. So yeah. they're clearly trying to make it work down there. But it's the key is That's you've got to find the right kids. Ivan Taylor's the right kind of Florida kid. Right. Yeah. Davian Dixon obviously is the right kind of Florida kid. So so they're going down there and they're getting those kids, Ryan, that like like you're like, OK, that makes sense. Where in the past, you get some kids, you're like, I'm not sure how that's going to work out. You know what I mean? And so that and, that's and a didn't. that's a big thing. <laughs> it's a really big thing. Because and then of Justin Thurman, I mean, you, you talk to Justin Thurman for five minutes you're like that's a that you, you understand. And you also have to remember, like, he's not a native born. He's a Missouri and raised. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a little bit different, but yeah, they're, they're putting in work in the state of Florida. There's no doubt about that.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. All right, I'll ask this one, Ryan. This is from Jordan Pinheiro. Hey, Ryan, do you have any idea of how we did on your over-under for silent commits coming out of the weekend? Uh, Jordan, without talking about numbers, right, I would say that I feel very good about, and this is an immediacy. I'm not talking about like over the next week or two. I feel good about where Notre Dame is with a lot of the players that were on campus this weekend. I think that when we look back on it, You'll look at that junior day list and you'll be like, oh, wow, all those guys that end up with Notre Dame were there that weekend. That was a very big weekend for Notre Dame. I think that's what it's going to end up being. I'm going to say this, Ryan. I'm going to put a number on it. When it's all said and done, yep. I think Notre Dame gets seven of the kids that were on campus this weekend that are uncommitted. Let me look at the list again to make sure I'm not missing guys. One second. Let me. So I know. If one... Let, let, let me make sure that I'm on the same page here. So if the <laughs> uncommitted guys are on campus, Notre Dame is going to get four, five, six. I mean, it's at least seven. It might, it That's might be more. Saying. We'll see in the end. It's saying. at least seven. Yep. Yeah. 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 I think so. All right. Let's get to some more here. Here, Ryan, that's another NFL one. We'll get another one from Jordan. Uh, who do you see? Who do you have winning the AFC and NFC championships? And ultimately I can tell you who I'm rooting for, but I can't, I have no idea yeah. about matchups. I'm, I'm so split on the AFC right now, Jordan. Honestly, like you may need to ask me later in the week. I mean, I, look, my early impulse is that I would probably take the Baltimore Ravens if I had to pick one. Cause I just think the Baltimore Ravens are a better overall football team than what Kansas city is. And Kansas city is going to be, on the road again. And I just think that eventually that's going to catch up with them a little bit because I just think the Kansas City Chiefs are a little bit flawed. But again, then it's like, well, are you counting out Patrick Mahomes? Like that doesn't seem like there the smartest go. thing in the world, right? I mean, <laughs> right. if you ask me today, I would probably say Baltimore Ravens. Ask me again at the end of the week for the AFC though. NFC, I am going to be boring and go with the 49ers. I love what Detroit has been doing. I think that they are playing really good football. Jared Goff is playing the best all of his life i think the offense in general is incredibly fun and interesting what ben johnson's doing on that off side of the ball and i think that they've bought into the dan campbell personality man like they want to bite some kneecaps off of their teams that they play which i think is great it's cool but ultimately i think that the 49ers are just a little bit better better team so give me the 49ers nfc ravens today but that opinion could change by the end of the year i'm mean, by the end of the week the- i say the AFC one's interesting, Ryan, because if you're just looking at it as a Notre Dame fan, you don't have a rooting interest yeah. in either of these teams. It comes down to are you rooting for Drew Tranquil or are you rooting for Ronnie Stanley and Kyle Hamilton, basically, right? 
Kyle's been so good, man. He's yeah. And then on the other side, it's like you've got the Lions like have like seven Notre Dame guys on their roster, right? Either on Brock Wright had a thirty yard catch this week. Yeah, it was huge. It was huge. And then on the Niners, you've got Aaron Banks starting a left guard. Somebody put out on Twitter. I I can't. I think it might have been the Irish Tribune, but they put some out on Twitter, and it basically was like. Notre Dame is guaranteed to have a guy win the Super Bowl this year. Oh, I saw that. I saw that post. Yeah. Like yeah. A, a guy that plays, not just like some guy on the scout team, but a guy that plays. Because yeah. uh, Drew Tranquil plays for the Niners. Uh, Aaron Banks, or I mean, excuse me, the Chiefs. Aaron Banks starts for the Niners. Kyle Hamilton and Ryan Stan for the Ravens. And then obviously Brock Wright, Romeo Guara are two yeah. guys that at play, like play a decent amount for the Lions. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. I, pretty cool. I would I would like I would like to quickly read Kyle Hamilton's stat line this year because it is wild. For uh all pro, by the way, first team all pro made the Pro Bowl. 81 tackles, 10 tackles for loss. Playing safety, by the way. He plays a little bit of a hybrid role, but 81 tackles, 10 tackles for loss, three sacks, four interceptions, and 13 pass breakups playing a hybrid safety role. Kyle Hamilton has been uh been pretty good. Been pretty good as a yes. sophomore in the NFL. He was very yes. good as a rookie as well, but he's been very, very good as a second year player. Who all so who all from Notre Dame made the Pro Bowl this year, Ryan? I know Hamilton did, question. right? I mean, yeah, Hamilton definitely did. Kyron did Ronnie did, Stanley or, make the Pro no, Bowl. No, I'm sorry, all pro, not Pro Bowl, all pro. I'm oh, sorry, all pro. pro. I'm not sure. I would have to look at that I, list. I, I think Kyron was second team. I think Kyron I think Zach really well. Martin and Kyle for yeah. sure were first team. Yes, I'm not about sure about Ronnie, but yeah, it, it you're starting to see uh, more. Ronnie, I think was banged up a little bit, but yeah. yeah, yeah. But you're starting to see more Notre Dame guys that are impact players in the NFL, right? That are, that yeah. are, are very important players. Like Drew Tranquil's not a star linebacker; he's a very important part of that that defense. You yeah. know, and and you're starting to see more and more of that, in my opinion. You mentioned Aaron Banks. Aaron Banks is a uh, is a plus starting guard in the NFL for the yeah. San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. So for a, a team a, and a team that wants to run the football, you know, yep. and and uh, yeah, he's he's I'm I'm happy for him. Very happy for him. He's got an interesting story. Andy Milton fan with a super chat. Thank you so much, Nathan. Did Tommy Reese or Tyler Buckner fare worse in Alabama move? Oh, Tyler Buckner. That's not even a debate. I mean, guys, Tommy Reese was the OC for a team that went to the college football playoff, and he got a year of Nick Saban under his belt. He's fine. Yeah. Tommy added to his He added to his resume, right? He added to his resume. Tyler didn't add anything to his resume. No. Tyler Tyler went from a, a. Guy that was battling for the starting job at Bama to a lacrosse player at Notre Dame, right? I mean, he by far, by far, he's worse off. Tommy will be just fine. He'll be just fine. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he was an OC for a playoff team this year. You know, I mean, I mean, it it, it stinks that he lost his job and everything, all that type of stuff. Yes, of course, of course. But at least he added something to his resume and still had the opportunity to play in a playoff game. Like Tyler didn't get anything out of the deal honestly right. like he didn't get anything out of the deal yeah right it wasn't great it wasn't great I, i'm gonna ask this question this way ryan for you and i'm curious to get your answer to this one because i'm gonna kind of put some clarifiers on it so joe allen asked who do you think notre dame made the biggest impression with over the weekend with junior day so okay. obviously you could put this on like a guy that already came in ready to commit and we think he committed or whatever but more so like yeah i'll say it this way who did notre dame move the needle most the with most with this weekend 
I have an idea of who your answer is going to be, but I'm curious if I have it right. Well, I think it's two guys. I mean, I mentioned Nathaniel Wusu Botang. I think that they moved the needle with him, but I think the other one is Jack Lang, the offensive tackle mm-hmm. out of Eureka, Missouri. I think that Jack liked Notre Dame coming in, but I think that no- Notre Dame just still had like a-, a lot of work to do there. But I think lead it, leaving like Notre Dame's the lead, <laughs> the by far leader now for Jack Lang. I think they did that well for themselves over the weekend. So I think you had a chance, Nathaniel Wusu Botang, to at least get on the radar. I think you did that, and I think that you you propelled yourself up the list and of a reasonable opportunity. But I think Jack Lang, Jack Lang, I would say Notre Dame was in kind of this like smaller group of some other Midwestern schools where it was like. Maybe that's the school. Maybe it's not. There was still some clarity that needed to be gained. And Notre Dame was obviously was a little bit late to the party with Jack Lang. But uh, from a just offer perspective, I mean, they didn't offer him until November. But ultimately, after the visit, Notre Dame is the team to beat for Jack Lang right now. If this one ends anytime soon, I think that Notre Dame would most likely be the destination. So I would say Jack Lang offensively, Nathaniel Wusu Botang defensively. That's the two. We had a question from Lucky Ducks 512. What's up, Lucky Ducks? Will Notre Dame wear the great uniform combo of white pants with green tops this year? I did like that, man. That was pretty nice. Pretty nice on the visit. Ryan, I have been saying this for years. You know I have. I don't know if you pay attention to me when I talk. Sometimes I don't know if you do. But if you do, then you have to admit, I've been saying this for two years, that Notre Dame needs to go with the gold, green, and white combo. They have to. Yep. And not, not, all, mm-hmm. not, in a, not in a Shamrock Series game. At home, at night. I would love it if this year Notre Dame's night game is against Stanford. I don't want it to be against Louisville. I want it to be against Stanford. I want the Louisville game to be a day game, 3.30 game. I want the Stanford again to be a night game so you can bring all these recruits in. It's still warm. You blow the crap out of Stanford, and you have all this hype, and then you just run them off the field, and you got the gold, the green, and the white. Man, I would love that. I think that would be such a fire combination, man. I can't even believe I just said yeah. it like that. Like I just felt like I was like was really nice. or something all of a sudden. They're, but they're I uniform, love that combination. Their uniforms that they pulled out this weekend were awesome, man. Like the green yeah. and white combo, and then they also did the the icy whites on the snow. I was like, dude, yeah, please. Was, were man, those the BYU dude. game uniforms? Were I those? So, is that yeah. what those were? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, the Shamrock sweet. Series one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. those were. Sweet. It looks so nice with the white too. It just looks. Oh like, yeah, it just looks so clean with the white. Oh yeah, if they come out with that gold, green, and white, I'm going to be very happy. Very happy. I think that's sweet because, like, I think Notre Dame should always be traditional. Like, as far as just overall, I don't want it to be like Oregon where they got like some new combo every game. Like, stick to who you are, but one road yep. game and one home game a year, I'd like to see them mix it up. And on the road game this year, we saw it with the, the the all white against Clemson. I still would have liked to see all white with green. I think that would have been even sweeter is if they went with like the green colors instead of like the blue. But like I, I would love to see that once a year on the road, give me green numbers on your jerseys. And one year at home, give me a different combination. I thought the all green this year against Ohio State was pretty sweet. I like that. I, that was I, nice. I, I did. Yeah, it was really nice. And then next year, I'd love to see gold, green, and white. I think that would be such a sweet combination. And if you're going to do it, you got to do it at night because it just pops. That green and white and gold will just pop at night if they do it. I really will. I, I have a feeling that we're going to see some more uniforms, um, different uniform situations over the next couple of years, combinations. Because mm-hmm. I would say that you know, Marcus Freeman probably has a little bit more style than the previous head coach. I could be wrong about yes. that. But I think that's a safe assumption to make. Well, and look, older folks like me may not think that stuff matters, but it does. It does to recruits. It does to players. And that's ultimately who it who it's for. It's not for us. It's not and my, nor my, should it be. 
my, my favorite was a bunch of just grumpy old men on Twitter were complaining about the the recruiting staff dressing like leprechauns and doing all that. Type oh, that of was jam, great. Right. And they're all calling great. them like, like, oh, Notre Dame down bad and all this stuff. stuff. I'm like, guys, you have no idea. These recruits love that stuff. Love man. it. Outside, love outside it. of the outside of the tight end that ended up committing to USC last year in the 2024 class. I don't even remember that kid's name at this point. They came on the one visit and they were pretending to first dudes and be like secret agents. Like he didn't like yeah. that, but every other recruit did. Yeah, yeah, his dad liked it, but that's because he was he literally pulled up when they pulled up. It was Walter Matthews. When Walter they pulled Matthews, up, man. he was dead asleep. So like yes. that, like he got woken up to like what the heck is going on? But no, kids love yes. that stuff. They, they love, do it. love it. Absolutely they do love, it. love it. So you can be cranky about it all you want. Kids love it. Now, would I wear that? Yeah. No, I'm 45 years old. But Chad and Dre, they're younger guys. I mean, they're. But the thing about they have to understand about Chad and this kind of stuff is, is uh, this is who he is, right? Like that's what you have to understand. Like this is who he is. He's just kind of that outside the box, a little quirky, just, you know, yep. salesman kind of guy. And it, that that's genuine. And kids, that's the thing too, is kids sense that they're out there having fun in that stuff. You know what yep. I mean? Like they're not just out there doing it for, so they're having fun and kids mm-hmm. sense the heck out of that. And it's kind of like when you kind of, kind of humiliate yourself a little bit, like you're not, not humiliate yourself. That's not the answer. That's not what I mean. But like when you're willing to kind of put yourself out there like that, and and make be it be fun, like yeah, yeah, just that's a that's a being silly. I think kids, yep. it just it kind of it's kind of like an icebreaker, you know. It's yep. like oh these guys, you know. And so you, these kids are starting their day with a good fun laugh, and like you know these Notre Dame cats are crazy, you know what I mean? Like that, that's a great way to as opposed to this like stuffy come in there, get your name badge, sit down, get lectured about how yep. great you know what I mean? Like this, that's a fun way to start your trip, and it just continues through the whole weekend, man. I think that type of stuff humanizes people a little bit too, right? Yeah. Like it's like, a, you know, some recruiting, I, I don't know other recruiting departments obviously that well, but like I imagine that there are some out there that are just kind of like stuffy and just kind of to the point and really business-like. Like you need to be fun and a little bit energetic there because mm-hmm. again, we're appealing to 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old kids, man. Like they're just a little bit of a different, they, they want that, mm-hmm. right? They want that a little bit. So I, I thought it was, yep. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, I did too. I, I noticed and that Coach Freeman did not jump out of an airplane, though. So I yeah, I know. Um, what well, Chad said, helicopter. He's helicopter yeah. is what he wants. Well, he, well I think he said helicopter or airplane, though. I think there was a there was yeah. a multiple opportunities. Yeah. On did you see Freeman's face when Chad's like, "Well, he'd have some with him." Freeman's like, so funny. "It was," yeah. oh, and like Chad's whole the whole best part of that conversation is Chad just like, "Yeah, of course, of course, I would want to do that." Like, well, no, Chad the, the wasn't best, even like, yeah, go ahead. Oh no! I was going to say the best part was the guys like for what reason, and he and then yeah. Chad just super serious. Everyone starts laughing at orders, but he's just like the effect, like, exactly the effect, like, duh, <laughs> like the effect. and and but the whole time Chad's just dead serious. Oh yeah, like it oh, yeah. for effect. Like uh, he'd have someone with him. You know, it's not like I'm going to have him jump out by himself. And like he's like, imagine if you're a recruit and you're in Notre Dame Stadium, and all of a sudden Marcus Freeman comes rappelling out of a helicopter. Like I mean. Yeah. Every five star kid there is like, sign and me he's up. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> no. He's probably not he's wrong. He's not either, wrong at so. all. Think about how, how excited kids get every time Kirby Smart shows up at their high school in an airplane or a, or a helicopter. A right? Helicopter, yeah. Imagine yeah. if Marcus Freeman, like, you know, jumps out of a helicopter and lands at like the 50 yard line with something Navy SEAL on his back. Come on, man. It's a wrap. It is a wrap. Well, I think he, it, oh, yeah, Navy SEAL would be on his back. I was going to say he'd be on yeah. Navy SEAL's back, but no, the other way around. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the other way around. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah. 
would be amazing. He'll never do it. And his and Mrs. Freeman will never let him do it yeah. ever. But that'd be awesome. I know somebody was talking about fun facts in the chat earlier. My fun fact is I believe you have to be a tandem for skydiving like 10 times before they let you go by yourself. So there's my fun fact of the day. There so, you go. There you go. It's pretty yeah. wild. Something I will never do once, much less 10 times. Yes. Also costs like 500 bucks to do it. So, I mean, it's expensive to jump yeah. out of an airplane. But nope, AST12321, thank you so much for the super chat. Brian, do you expect to be able to discuss backstory of Notre Dame getting Den- Mike Denbrock from under Brian Kelly and how Kelly hurt things, or is it still under wraps? I mean, it's under wraps for now. And if I was ever going to talk about it, it wouldn't be on this platform. It'd be on the message board. So yeah, I, I, I'm hoping to be able to have that. I just, there's just one person I need to talk to about it before I can really dive into the conversation. But yeah, it's, it's just typical Brian Kelly stuff. I mean, when I tell you, you're going to be like, dude, that's so Brian Kelly. It is so Brian Kelly. I think Ryan, I told you about it, right? I think I told you I the, so. the story. I believe most of it. All right. Yeah. Here's I'll, I'll get this next one, Ryan. This is for you. Uh, Sean Kelly says, Ryan, I know in the past you said you didn't like the Montez sweat trade. Do you feel any different about it now or around the same? Around the same. I mean, I, look, I, I thought that from the jump that Montez sweat was a good football player. Like that was never the, that was never the, the push. The push was though, that you're giving up draft capital for a guy that you were going to have to pay big market money. It, it, it wasn't as much about Montez sweat. It was about the situation, right. right? It was about the process. And as a Chicago bears team that I still think needs some assets from just roster construction perspective. I know people out there would be like, Oh, free agency and short, sure, but free agency doesn't fix everything. It doesn't. And usually teams that right. dive too heavy in free agency, usually don't come out the right way. Like it usually hurts them a little bit. So I, Sean, I think it was the process. Do I think Montez Sweat could still be a foundational part of Chicago rebuild? Yes. But I don't think that giving up as much capital as you did and then giving, putting the contract into him as much as you did. I just don't think that it was the right moment for them. Another team probably could have made a lot more sense. I just don't, I just think you need to maximize winning windows. And I just don't think that Chicago's in the right winning window now to afford to make a move like that. That was more of a move of like, hey, we need one more guy, one foundational piece, and it's going to push us over the top. You're not even a playoff team right now. You're, you're not even a playoff team right now. So I just think it was the window that I more disagree with. It wasn't anything about Montez Sweat. It was the allocation of, of capital, both from a draft pick perspective and money perspective, that just didn't make sense for the Chicago Bears right this second. Hopefully that makes sense. I got a couple more for you, Ryan. Here's one from Brandon Plensner. He says, how do you see the linebacker class shaking out in 25 versus how you would like to see it? What kind of position is Notre Dame in with Christian Jones? Can I just say one thing before you answer this? Sure. We need to take a deep breath with some of the panic about linebacker recruiting. Guys, it's January. It, it, they're they're going to be okay, right? But uh, to answer Brandon's question, Ryan, how do you see the linebacker class shaking out in 25 Versus how you would like to see it, and what kind of position are they in with Christian Jones? Uh, Christian Jones are in a, a good, a solid, good position, I would say, Brandon. I mean, look, I think that there are a couple other Midwest schools, namely Nebraska, as the main one that are going to be, you know, it's going to be a battle with. There's no doubt about it. I think that they'll have a chance with Christian Jones, but I mean, they're obviously you need to get him back to campus this offseason. He's been talking about doing it. He's only visited campus once before, though. If they get him back on campus, I think that you start to ramp that up a little bit. You have a little bit more of a better chance moving forward. But ultimately, Brandon, like I think that Notre Dame has put themselves in a solid to good position with a lot of different linebackers on the board. Like we talked about Nathaniel Wusu Botang earlier. We talked about 
Marco Jones in the past on this show. You talk about Noah McHale. You talk about Anthony Saka. I think Notre Dame's going to end up signing a better linebacker group than they did in 2024 and 2025. I ultimately do believe that that will happen, but it's going to it's going to matter about closing on a couple guys. And obviously, there's a couple guys that you need to push very hard for, and I think they have an opportunity to do that. Ryan, so you think the 25 class will be better than the 24 class? Is that what you're saying? Potentially, yeah. Okay. All, all around, yeah. I mean, because I don't – look, I, I, I would also like to see a little bit more on Josiah Kia, but just what I've been able to watch Josiah Kia, I do prefer him a little bit to Teddy Rizak. I mean, just sure. today, like I do. I mean, ultimately, like if you told me you got a Marco Jones and Anthony Saka and a Josiah Kia, like, all right, I'm good, man. I'm good to go there. I mean, but it, it's going to involve closing. You need to get one big headliner in this group, in my opinion, whether it is a – Noah McHale, whether it is a Marco Jones, because I don't care what the rankings are for any of these kids. For me, Marco Jones is a top 50 player in this class. It might be higher than that when all is said and done. That I kid think he's is a stud. freak show. Yes. Freak yeah. show. If you're able to get yeah. him or a Noah McHale and they get another really good linebacker to go with Josiah Kia, you're good, man. You're going to be good to go moving forward. Yeah. Absolutely good to go. Well, and then, of course, you mentioned – Brett Clatterball's on the board. Now Nath- yeah. Nathaniel Wusubotang's a legitimate option now. I mean, there's some guys out there that they can go get. Yeah. Christian Jones, just, maybe. Like, we'll see what happens. And also, right. Dominic Kulak being a little bit of a hybrid player, like, that gives you some flexibility on the second level as well at times. Right. So, yeah, you're going to be really good. A couple super chats on here. Actually, no, there was one more I wanted to bring up that's for you, Ryan. I, yeah. I have to ask this one. This was funny. Uh, and if you're not comfortable answering it, Ryan, you don't have to. But Jimmy James says, Ryan, how many rooms do you have in your house? It looks like you get sent to another room daily. <laughs> well, no, I, I got sent to a different house daily because w- w- so Mondays, obviously, the recruiting hours go a little bit long. I mean, the, not the recruiting hours, the mailbags go a little bit longer t- um, usually. So my wife is handling getting both girls today, obviously. Right. So I don't want I didn't want the house to be held up for them her to get the girls home, you know, just me being like a generally solid person there. Right. So, but I am at my, my sister-in-law's house is where I'm at right now. My house is four bedrooms, two baths, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. There's a decent amount of space though. And I know you guys have seen me in the, the living room. Yeah. You, you guys have seen me in the, li- you guys see me in the living room. You've seen me in the dining room. You've seen me in Raina's room, my youngest daughter's room. You've also seen me in the hallway of my master bedroom as well. So you've seen me in a lot of different places on IB, a whole lot. You got a, got a super a sticker from rocket 25, but then he also has a question to follow up with Ryan. And right. here we go. Rocket says if Notre Dame can find a way to win the opener at Texas A&M, what do you think of their chances of running the table? Florida State on November 9th is clearly the biggest game after that. On November 9th, that's at home. Well, I mean, it still depends on roster construction, Ryan. I, I think when you look at some of the additions Florida State has had over the last couple of weeks, they added that DN from Oregon State. Uh, they added a couple guys from Bama. You know, th- th- their roster's much better i would argue now it's it's i think now they have the best roster on the schedule right now uh, should notre dame win that game yeah they should but is that going to be a tough game it will be usc on the road is not going to be a cakewalk you know i mean i i think usc depending i mean who they're who's their quarterback going to be i don't know i i think to a degree i, I got to find out who they're going to have coming back on the offensive line but you know, we may say USC finally start to rely more on the run game which i think is something that's hurt lincoln riley he's gone a little bit away from that with Caleb Williams, understandable. 
Uh, I think they're going to be better on defense next year. Their talent's good, but I like the moves they're making from a position coach standpoint. They got DeAnton Lynn to run the defense. He did a great job at UCLA this year. They oh, yeah, hired – it was a Jefferson, yep. right? I think it's mm-hmm. Jefferson Henderson, something like that, the D-line coach with the Rams. Yeah. Uh, what came – is now <clears> – I don't know if he was their full-time D-line coach or if he was like the assistant D-line coach. Do you know, Ryan? Which one I, he I was? Can look it up. I'm not sure about that. Um, but they sure they they added him, so you know they they've made some improvements there. They got rid of Dante Williams and hired the Tony uh, the guy that was the D coordinator at Houston. Uh, yeah, was it Belk? Tony is it? Uh, What's his name? Doug Belk. Doug Belk. Doug Belk. There you go. So I think yeah. the defensive staff has improved. There's no doubt about it. Will that result in better play? We'll find out. I still think Lincoln Riley's got to change how he builds a team to be better on defense, but. USC is not going to be a sleepwalk next year. I, I think USC is going to be improved next year. That, that does improvement mean eight and four, nine and three, or ten and two, eleven and one. I don't know to what level, but they're, I don't see them going seven and five again next year, in my right. opinion. And and uh, you know being in the Big Ten is going to be interesting because they're going to just play. They're going to play some teams in the Big Ten that they can just out athlete next year. That I don't know was true in the Pac. I think the Pac twelve was a really good conference this year, which is a shame that it's dying. Because that was a really good conference this year, uh, yep. but you know Louisville's not going to be a put, not going to be a pushover. I mean, they've landed some really good players as well. They got that receiver from South Alabama that, to me, can be every bit as impactful as what Jamar Thrash was the, this past year. Different type of player, but he's really good. You know, they got a they got the kid from uh, who's a solid player. You know, nothing special, but Jacory Brooks is a solid player from Bama. He, you know, he'll be a nice rotation guy. Yeah. They're going to have some weapons. They got some defensive players. They got the kid from that was that had flipped the kid from Tennessee. The DN from Tennessee uh, was originally going to go to, he was originally going to go to like Ole Miss. And then he flipped to Louisville. So that was a really big pickup that they got. So there's, there's still some movement that's going to impact these rosters as well. But running the table is going to be hard for Notre Dame. I mean, there's going to be enough teams, Ryan, where if you just bring your B minus game and they bring their A game, they're going to beat you. The key is just make sure that that stumble only happens once. That's going to be the key. Is just try to avoid that second loss. That that's going to be the big key. But that comes a lot harder if you lose the opener, right? That's that first game is is very important. Very very important. Yeah. USC is a very interesting team to me. They also got a. Um... They got JoJo Marks from Mississippi State, I think, in the portal, the running back, who actually thinks a pretty dang good yeah. player. So they're uh they'll be formatted a little differently, man. Whether it's Miller yeah. Moss or Jaden Mayava, like they're gonna be look a little bit different, which sometimes difference good for the change of the program, right? Like you're not gonna have Caleb Williams to just be the miracle worker all the time and to be able to make you look good in bad situations. Like you're gonna have to run more cohesive offensive approach. I mean, defensively, they should be a little bit better. So I'm very interested to see what USC is able to put together this year. You know what's going to happen too, Ryan, if they're better next year. It's going to be, well, see, Caleb was overrated. and blo-. No, I think the problem was their defense was a hot mess. Their offensive line was a problem, and they put too much on him, in my opinion. But, you know, Deuce Roberts, like you said, Deuce Roberts is going to be your older. Zechariah Branch is going to be your older. I think some guys that were maybe not in it there for the right reasons are gone. You know, like you said, they've 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 up. I think one thing they've done too is some of the some of the transfers that they did land. A couple of them, to me, are kids that are going to provide you with a little bit of an attitude adjustment. Achille Arnold's an example. Kamari Ramsey from UCLA. 
those are guys that are not your typical. Uh, they got a D lineman from uh, I think for Vanderbilt, right? The Clifton kid, who are going to be a little bit more blue collar maybe than some of the transfers you got last year, in my view. And I think USC needs a little bit more of that too, which I think is going to help them as well. But uh, I mean, Notre Dame should still beat them, right? That that that's not what I'm saying here. But what I'm saying is they are going to match up a little bit more competitively potentially this year than they did last year. Uh, and I think yeah. some of the off-season moves are, are a part of that. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.